Over four decades ago, medical device pioneers John Abley and Pete Nicholas co-founded Boston Scientific to get life-saving technologies into the hands of physicians. Today, thousands of Boston Scientific employees are continuing that mission. We'll begin to tell their stories here on the Boston Scientific Talks podcast. Hi, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome back to the Boston Scientific Talks podcast. It's great to have you here to hear about a new technology acquired by Boston Scientific from a company called Obsidio. I spoke with Peter Pattison. He's president of interventional oncology at Boston Scientific and Liza Davis. She is vice president of R&D at Interventional Oncology. And we talked about the Obsidio technology. Obsidio had made a conformable solid, and I'll let the podcast speak to the specifics, but a a very cool technology, a very great addition to Boston Scientific's interventional oncology business. We'll talk a bit about how Boston Scientific came to uh, identify the company and the technology and what the plans are for the future. So thanks to uh, Peter Pattison and Liza Davis of Boston Scientific for joining us on this episode of the Boston Scientific Talks podcast. Before we begin this episode, I want to bring in our sponsor, TE Connectivity. Again, this is the medical business unit at TE Connectivity. I spoke with Katie Devin. Uh, She's a product manager at uh, TE Connectivity. And uh, we talked about uh, medical metals business at TE Connectivity. So let's, uh, let's bring in Katie Devin of TE Connectivity. Katie Devin, thanks for joining us. Tell us about the medical metals business at TE Connectivity. Sure. So TE's metals business unit is built on a legacy of leading and acquired brands, uh, including Craigana Medical, Precision Wire Components, LSA Laser, and Microgroup. These brands combined make up a total of over 50 years of metals processing expertise. And one of our product lines within the metals business unit is Alltube. This product line consists of our standard medical grade stainless steel tubing. And when choosing what size of material for your next generation product, we offer fractional and hypodermic gauge tubing. This tubing is also available on our website in metric sizes. And you can view our standard sizes and order online at te.com forward slash medical. Or if you can't find a size of tubing to meet your requirements, we can also resize tubing in-house using our grinding capability to meet your required inner and outer diameter dimensions. Great. We'll hear more from Katie Devon a little later in the podcast. If you want to find out more information about TE Medical, go to its website. That's te.com backslash medical. Well, Peter Pattison and Liza Davis, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Thomas. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So interested in learning about Obsidio, which is the company you acquired last year. It sounds like a fascinating piece of technology and uh, learning about the whole interventional oncology business. But if you could uh, take a moment, we always like to understand how folks found their way into the medical device industry. Peter, if you don't mind kind of kicking things off, what was your first job that drew you to the medical device industry? Good question, Tom. I got into it. I didn't know I was getting into the medical device business. I came out of... um, an MBA and got a job at a local company here in Ottawa, Canada, where I live, called Nordion, where we had a fledgling kind of startup 
product we we're trying to launch and it was called Therosphere. It's intramanning microspheres for treating liver cancer. And uh, at the time, we were more focused as a radio pharmaceutical company. So it just happened to be a device, but we were always thinking of it as a radioactive product fit into a portfolio. And it turns out it's actually a medical device. And that's how we got started with it. And then we've uh, been, Therosphere has been acquired by a couple companies, first by BTG. And we got acquired by Boston. That's how I ended up here. And you've been with Boston for how long? Since uh, the summer of 2019, right, Liza? That's right, yeah. <laughs> All right, great. So we, that's when Liza and I got to be on the same team when we showed up from BTG. That's great. And Liza, how about you? I see you have a, a chemical engineering background. You've been at Boston Scientific for the same time? My whole career, essentially. Whole, okay, yes. that's, I'm My looking at your, your LinkedIn now. Yeah. 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 So I went to college at a school in Indiana and had the opportunity to go work for a pharmaceutical company for an internship and kind of fell in love with the idea of doing something every day that was going to help people as opposed to making consumer products or, uh -huh. or doing something else. But when I was done with school, my husband and I were trying to figure out kind of where we wanted to end up. And we ended up in Minnesota. I was I was from here. I grew up here. And there's not much pharmaceutical, but there's a ton of medical device opportunities in the Twin Cities. And we both gravitated to that space and really haven't left ever since. It's um, a pretty rewarding space to work in. And I've gotten to work on a lot of different technologies over that time. So it's been uh, my whole career to this point. That's great. And what was your first post at Boston? Uh, I was uh, an engineer working on some of our drug coatings for coronary stents. Oh, neat. Okay. So, very entry-level position and got to learn a, a lot as, as the company was learning a lot about a new technology at the time. Great. And Peter, could you give us an overview of the interventional oncology business? Uh, just a sense of what, obviously, you're going after cancer, but maybe a little more specifics and what your portfolio looks like? 100% of our customers essentially are interventional radiologists. So we provide them tools to do their procedures, and we provide them uh, therapies as well. So when you think on the on the tool side to help get access and to stop blood flow, redirect flow, we have coils, we have catheters, and we have wires, as well as strange catheters. So things to help them navigate through the body. And on the therapy side, uh, we have uh, two forms of ablation, where you can essentially ablate tumors through either heat with our RFA system or cold through turning the tumors into ice balls uh, with cryoablation. And then we have beads, land beads that can kind of block blood flow, starve tumors. We have beads that uh, in parts of the world, you can blow them with drug to help provide a high dose chemotherapy to a very small area. Or we also have radioactive beads with itramine in them called Therosphere. That's where we're providing a high dose of radiation right into the tumors, the beads flow into the tumor. So that kind of covers our spectrum all the way from wires and, and catheters for access all the way to delivering therapeutic payloads for a cancer treatment. And Eliza, what are some of the, the physical challenges of, of diverting blood flow and performing many of the functions that Peter just outlined? It, it sounds simple enough, but then when you start to think about the challenges, I'm sure there's plenty. Yeah. So from a physician perspective, they are trying to block flow in a variety of different situations. So they might be in arteries or veins. They might be in very small vessels or very large vessels, and the flow rates might be different as well. And then sometimes they're often, they're actually trying to block flow in an area where there's been damage because of trauma or because the vessels themselves are, are not healthy in some way. So there's something different about them. So that means there's a really different physical environment for all of these products. And so, you know, there are coils and particles, and now there's some new products coming on the market that we're talking about that all do slightly different things and are good at some things and, and not as good at others. So for example, some of the 
coils are really good at control being put in a very specific place. If you have a side branch, you can put that, that coil very carefully near the side branch, but there takes it some time before they occlude, right? So they're not creating a full occlusion. They are slowing down flow and causing thrombus, and that can take some time in the procedure. On the other side, some of the liquid embolics that are some of them not even indicated for peripheral use might be faster for the occlusion, but they you know they're harder to control for a position. So they're really looking for a product that can do a specific job based on the situation that they're in and what area of the body they're trying to to block flow. So as we've done advisory boards over the years, we've always heard that there's a need to have products that are more and more versatile mm-hmm. to address all of those different situations. All right, I want to bring back our sponsor, TE Connectivity. Once again, I'm speaking with Katie Devon. She is product manager at TE Connectivity. Katie, tell me, what medical devices use medical tubing and where does it fit into product life cycles? Yeah, so this tubing can be used in multiple applications from cardiovascular to endoscopy to robotic surgery, wherever medical grade stainless steel tubing is required. TE's Metals Business Unit Vision is to be the partner of choice to our customers in building medical devices that save lives from prototype to scale. And during the ideation phase of your next generation device, standard tubing can be bought through our online store at te.com forward slash medical with no minimum order quantities. When you're ready then to turn your idea into a next generation medical device, you can work with our engineers at the TE Propellus Prototype Center to help accelerate your time to market. When you're ready to validate your product, we can bring the product through our project gate stages and finally to scale within operations. Our standard tubing can be used during the entire life cycle of the product to reduce lead times and bring your product from prototype to scale. And over the next few months, we're launching a new sample kit of standard tubing of multiple sizes to support engineers at the early stage of the product life cycle. This is another way we're trying to reduce the lengthy product development cycle and accelerate the time to market. All right. And finally, Katie, how can someone order medical tubing from TE Connectivity? Yes, you can order through our online store at te.com forward slash medical. Or if you're looking for a a quote at higher volumes, you can contact one of our sales representatives by calling 1-800-ALL-TUBE or using our web chat function. All right. Well, that's great. Thanks, Katie Devin, for the information about TE Connectivity. Once again, if you want to find out more information about TE Connectivity, go to its website. That's te.com backslash medical, te.com backslash medical. So, Peter, tell me, how did Boston Scientific come upon the technology? Uh, was it uh, a conference, uh, a, a referral, uh, old school, new school? What was the uh, what What was it that brought you together? And this is also a really good uh, example of during COVID, everyone got pretty comfortable, right, pretty quick with, with video and, and calls, not going to the office. You don't need that that direct human interaction. A lot of conferences were virtual, and but there's always a you know you know it's hard to really. You know, that, that human interaction, how do you quantify it, right? And you bump into somebody, water cooler conversation. So this happened to be the, one of the first conferences I went back to live back in 2022, I think. And 
this long flight. And it's like, why am I going all this way? But then you just, it's just that uh, you just bump into people and at, at meetings. And uh, I ran into one physician who, who had said, hey, you, you should really talk to this guy over here. And went over and uh, he introduced me. And there's Dr. Rami Oklu from Mayo, Mayo Scottsdale, who was the founder and lead scientist for this company, Obsidio. So it just happened to be one of those coffee breaks. You bump into somebody, introduce wow. somebody else. And if I was sitting back at my computer back in downtown Ottawa, Canada, I probably would not have bumped into Dr. Robin Oakley from uh, from Scottsdale. So I think we all know that, but everyone got pretty comfortable with COVID. So it was kind of cool. So I met him during this meeting and uh, him and his uh, CEO partner, Asan, they gave me a uh, sat down in a corner at one of these high tables and had my coffee. He ran through a presentation. I was trying to show, because these are also negotiations right from the start, even if you're not interested, but you're I was trying to show enough interest, which I certainly was, but I didn't want to show too much interest. <laughs> wow, this is amazing. We have to have this. You don't want to say that. Yeah, you, you put in enough <laughs> of interesting and enough fascinating, but then you just, you don't want too interested, right? So right, right. I thanked him for the presentation. I did a slow walk out of the room. And then as soon as I got out of the room, I sprinted over to a quiet spot and called my BD <laughs> contact and said, you've got to get on these guys yesterday. Please hurry up. And, um, but so I looked super cool leaving the hall. I didn't look like I <laughs> And our BD team I took over uh, called Liza. And this is where I think something that in my time in Boston, I think they, they got down to a science and really excel at is that is, you know, identifying opportunities. Once they find them, the, the machine kicks in and just the collaboration from operations to marketing to the BD team and finance it, it all kind of goes pretty quick and it was it just happened within a, just a few months so like I said at the beginning usually these things kind of marinate and linger and you yeah people at meetings you meet the next year how's it going and any progress and this was a case where we went from kind of zero to close and pretty close to record time I'm not sure Liza Liza's been around longer than I have that's pretty quick when I think right Liza it was pretty quick. Yeah, it was the fastest one I've been involved in for sure. That's great. Yeah. If if that were my my conference, I would have you on a commercial for the conference because you've, you've you've just given great testimony for the whole conference experience. Eliza, were you equally excited when you first happened upon or, or learned about what uh, what you were looking at? Tell tell me what's unique about what Obsidian was doing. Yeah. So I mean, you always go into these things skeptically because you have the first conversation and they tell us all the things about it that are really good. And then we get it in our hands and we test it. And the more we tested, the more interested we got in the product as well. You know, it, it has this really nice balance of not being a solid or a liquid. We call it a conformable solid. It's a sheer thinning material, which is a fancy technical term, meaning that it's, it's a paste in its normal state. But as you start to push it through the catheter, you're putting some sheer forces on it and the viscosity goes down and gets more liquid-like and you can deliver it. And then as soon as it comes out of the catheter, it, it no longer has those sheer forces. And so it becomes that semi-solid again. Oh, cool. So it's a really interesting way to control the material. The physician has a lot of that control on how they deliver it. It fills the vessel really quickly in the place where you put it and then creates a fast occlusion. So it had some properties that were very unique relative to the other products that were on the market and that we'd seen in the space. And that's, that's what got us really excited about it. When is the appropriate time or, or did you see the appropriate time using this product? What would be the situations yeah. that require something like this? Yeah, so um, this product is indicated for a couple of situations. One of them is is a bleed in a small vessel, so a vessel that's three millimeters or smaller. You know, you can use it with microcatheter to uh, to deliver and block that flow really quickly. That can be important because those are often cases where 
there's been some some sort of an emergency and you want to stop that flow really quickly. It can also be used with some hypervascular tumors, especially if you're going to do surgery later. So you block the blood flow, start to starve that tumor, and the surgery can then proceed afterwards. So those are a couple of situations we're looking at. Other places that we might be able to use it in the future, but that's the, the current indication. Interesting. And Peter, I'm looking at the release that came out in August 2022. At that point, then the technology was gel embolic material, gem technology. It was recently cleared by the uh, the FDA. So had Obsidio, the company, managed all that, or did Boston have a role in that? How did the, the regulatory approval come to be? Right. So I'm, I'm speaking kind of second or third hand here. So allow me okay. to story colors prerogative and see if I can come <laughs> close. But essentially, uh, they, they had done this all on their own. They received clearance in the summer. Uh, so we were aware of it. They seemed to be handling it fine. Then it became our job, as Liza said, to take this really cool idea and it's called a regulatory plan to, okay, how do you commercialize it? And that's that's not a small company's job. That's 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 our company's job. Yep. So going from being to make, make you know, uh, non-commercial batches and having a manufacturing process that's suitable for FDA requirements versus how do you really kind of make this in large quantities that's safe? high quality that's repeatable is, is a whole different uh, task and 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 that's part of our job is to when we look at companies as excited as we are about it our job is also to be really critical about it and find kind of all the gaps and the holes i'm not very good at that i get i'm good at the being excited part and, <laughs> and all the powerpoint reasons why we should be doing this and, and do a good upsell job and it's uh, liza and her teams and colleagues their job to kind of look for all the weak spots in the armor so that's why it's great to have these different personalities and different functions around the table so i think i think uh and, and so that's that's been really our focus since last summer is how do we take this great concept and prototype and turn it into something that you can get out in high quantities that's safe and reliable and liza how did it fit into your portfolio is it just an item that got thrown immediately into a sales bag or was there more integration involved in commercialization yeah there was more involved so, so like peter said they had fda clearance which is a huge milestone and, and takes a lot of work to get to that point but as a small company they were focused exclusively on that and they hadn't focused on how do we scale up the manufacturing processes so we can make commercial units that we could use to support a launch so that's really where we got involved we worked with the company to understand what they had done to that point and then how we were going to scale it up. And one of the things that's unique about this product, almost every medical device is sterilized after manufacturing. So you met, you build the product and then mm. you sterilize it at the end and you know it's sterilized you as you send it out the door. Because of the materials that are involved here, this actually has to be sterilized at the beginning. All of the components that go into the product or touch the product are sterilized. And then you assemble them in an aseptic environment, meaning you keep them sterile while you're processing them, and then you package them and send them out the door. So mm. it's not a new process. It's used in the pharmaceutical industry all the time, but very new for us. And so we've had the opportunity to um, pull in experts and learn that process as we scale it up. It's actually a great product to manufacture and that you you can be very successful with that processing, but we you, know, you make sure that your operators are really well-trained. We're monitoring the environment throughout the manufacturing process to make sure that it, it maintains that sterile environment. And, you know, the way we handle the product and then do the testing at the end to verify that everything went just like we expected it to is, is all part of that process. So those are some of the things that we've been doing over the last few months as we get ready for launch. 
So is that something that you've built facilities to do the Boston Scientific is doing itself? Or are you working with partners who will be doing that on your behalf? Small company Obsidio was was working with a partner, but we're in the process of, of bringing that in-house just because okay. it gives us more flexibility for scale-up. Can you tell me where that's located, where the company is located? Out on the East Coast, and okay. we'll, we'll bring it into our Minnesota facility. Excellent. Okay, great. Peter, what's the, the state of commercialization? Is it out there or are doctors using it? And what are you hearing back from them if, you, if it is? It's out there. It's out there. We started doing cases last week. We've done a dozen or so. We're, we're just being, we're being careful, right? If, if you, for example, if you have a class three device, like some of our devices, there's extensive clinical program beforehand. With 510K devices, it's our opinion we should go slow as we, as we want. So the FDA is comfortable with everything we're doing. We're comfortable with all of everything we're doing from manufacturing and safety process and high quality product. But we still want to go slow and make sure that the product is meeting what we expect from a safety perspective and quality and physician handling and how they think about it. So we're going slow. We're picking a few sites. We're going with some really basic, straightforward uh, cases, getting response back from customers. So I think we're, we've done 10, 12 of them so far and a handful of sites. It's early days for sure, right? With the benefit of this product, as I mentioned at the beginning, you're trying to find that sweet swap between a liquid embolic that will occlude quickly, but the control, as soon as it comes out of the catheter, you're just kind of hoping it doesn't dribble or flow too far away. And a coil that can be super precise, but it's going to take a while to get that, that, uh, that blockage, that occlusion. So what we hoped for this product was, is it going to, can you put it where you want and have it occlude very quickly? And that's what we've been getting. We've been getting a total occlusion in, in, in under a minute. And that's really uh, what we think is uh, is an overused word here, but that's what we think is the game changer here, is is precision placement and occlusion very quickly. So again, we'll feel more confident after more cases, uh, but we're looking forward to finishing this this kind of early experience, taking any feedback on board, making any tweaks we might need to do, and then we're going to go full launch uh, later in the summer. Anything else from Eliza on your your thoughts on feedback? No, just it's always as much testing as you do uh, in your hands internally. It's always exciting to hear about it getting used for the first time. And, and so that was a really exciting time for our team. We had some team members who were there at the sites to be able to see those first cases. And so there was just a lot of excitement from both the Obsidio company and, and also our internal company been working on this just to see, see it go out into the world and, and perform as we hoped. That's great. Looking ahead. Does this technology have the ability to have other applications? Does it become sort of a hook that you hang other similar materials on? Where do we go from here from an R&D perspective? Yeah, great question. I think we have a lot of thoughts on what that might look like, both smaller steps and, and larger ones. And so, yes, those are all things that we are, our team is, is working on at this point and looking forward to, for sure. And Peter, on the portfolio and commercialization side, if someone's listening to this podcast and they're doing something similar, should they be looking for you at a conference and uh, pulling you aside and showing you a PowerPoint? Yeah, come and find me. I'll try not to look super excited. <laughs> but uh, I'll be there with the game face on. Call your face. I have face, to say, yeah. <laughs> another reason kind of why we're excited about it, and this is just kind of, I'd like to say it's super strategy, but a lot of it's just sheer chance. And Eliza and her team have been working on a new set of coils. So historically, we've been a really solid player in the coil area. We've had some really good pushable coils. We've had a real workhorse coil called Interlock. 
Doctors have been around for a number of years, have been using it, and it's it's done its job. But we felt like we need to get a different, we need to kind of really refresh and up our game on coils. So Liza and her team have been working for the last several years on a new family of fully detachable coils called the Bold. And we just launched the first one called the Bold Fiber late last year. We have two new ones coming out this summer, soft and packing. Uh, coil. So we're going to have this family of three uh, state-of-the-art fully detachable coils. And then Obsidio kind of falls in. So my goodness, so now we're, we're going to have four new entrants into the uh, into this uh, embolics category. And uh, that's really kind of where we're going to be spending our next, you know, next year probably is the permutations and combinations of using these three coils plus Obsidio is going to be really interesting. And it's going to present new opportunities for new indications and new clinical trials and new development opportunities. So that's what I'm excited about. How do we take these four new tools in the toolbox and pull them together either with each other or with other therapies? Yeah. So that's what I'm excited about. There's a lot of work there, a lot to unpack, as they say. Fantastic. Well, great stuff. I love these sort of stories when uh, early stage companies get acquired and, and they, their technology reaches patients. So uh, thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Nice to meet you, Tom. All right, well, that is a wrap. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Boston Scientific Talks podcast. Thank you, TE Connectivity, for sponsoring this episode. And thanks, of course, to Boston Scientific for making it possible. Do me a favor, if you would, so you don't miss a future episode of the Boston Scientific Talks podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Device Talks podcast network. You'll get future episodes of this podcast and our other great podcasts sent directly to you. I also would appreciate it if you would share this episode on social media. And when you do connect with me, I am on LinkedIn, Tom Salemi, S-A-L-E-M-I. Also, please make sure you tag Device Talks and follow Device Talks. And uh, also, of course, connect with Boston Scientific as well. You can find past episodes of the Boston Scientific Talks podcast on any major podcast application, Google, Spotify, Amazon. You can also like, follow, and or subscribe to this podcast by, again, clicking on the Device Talks podcast network. Well, that's it. We're already working on the next episode of the Boston Scientific Talks podcast. I look forward to bringing that to you very soon. Have a great day, everybody.